Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Sign away for apps on our phone. phone. Big Brother can come and go and remove you from your home. You cry out for help. But you're all alone, alone. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another segment of the Justice for All show. Uh, my name is Samuel Clark, and along with the tag captain, Andrew Selby, Selby and Dr. Albert Smith, we will be analyzing the policies, procedures, and practices of uh, police departments, fire departments, and of the public educational system, along with providing uh, some analysis of uh, current events that may be uh, occurring nationally and internationally. Today's segment, uh, we're going to be having a discussion with the uh, present chief of the Newark, New Jersey Fire Department, uh, Chief Rufus Jackson. So, uh, Dr. Smith, are you with us? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you, sir. Okay, yes. Thank you, then, Mr. Clark. And uh, Captain Selby, are you with us? I'm definitely with us, and I cannot wait to dive into this show. I can, I'm happy to be back, and I'm very excited to have this discussion that we're going to have today. I know uh, the chief will be calling in in approximately 10 minutes or so, and um, in the meantime... I just want to say uh, that we are back on a bi-weekly basis for now. Uh, we had uh, been away for a, a number of years. And uh, initially, when we started uh, doing the show, um, I personally envisioned doing the show for two months. Uh, <laughs> But it went for uh, a number of weeks. Um, so we're in the process of um, working to uh, get back our listeners to notify people that we are back. And uh, one of the major uh, bonuses, I would say, of the Justice for Our Show is that we encourage people to empower themselves. And what do we mean by that? We're going to give you some words, some information, and what we don't want you to do is simply take our word without doing some research on your own. Because if you listen to the media without doing research, most of the time, particularly if it's mainstream uh, media, you're going to be misinformed. Because that media is giving you the point of view of the 1%. That's the point of view that they're giving to you. So with us, we simply want to give you the facts, but we want you to empower yourself by making certain that what we are giving you are facts. Any comment on Absolutely. that, Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dr. Smith. I'll let you go first. Yes, thank you. First of all, I would just simply like to say that uh, for our listeners, I'm Dr. Smith, 
And I just want to echo and reiterate what has already been articulated. We basically want to give you informed research information that's going to be meaningful and valuable to you, the listener, so that you can not only take our word for what we dis- disseminate to you, but to share that knowledge and information uh, with um, your colleagues and your loved ones. So, again, please, as has already been articulated, don't take our word as gospel truth, but you think of it as a genesis and a catalyst for further educational research for you and your family and your loved ones and your coworkers and anybody else you think and feel could use that information to their advantage. Wow. Uh, I have to say that's very, very, very powerful. And I, I just want to comment and say, yes, uh, I was invited on the Justice for All show as the first guest, just like Dr. Smith is now, but he's coming on as a co-host. I was actually coming on as a guest, and uh, and I was a whistleblower, fire, fireman, fire captain at that time. And uh, it's funny, going into years, we did that for years, Sam, uh, for many years, and we helped many people, and it be. And we weren't doing it for any monetary conversation. I don't want anybody to think we got paid or anything. We did it actually to help people. Actually, we quit out a lot. Uh, what we got was a satisfaction of helping a lot of people and bringing light to a lot of things. And you can actually track, which is nice about being on Blog Talk Radio, you can actually track our shows and track what was going on in uh, national uh, news coverage. And a lot of the news coverage was tracking us at that time. And we didn't realize it, and we, when we started realizing it, and people started, so uh, very powerful people start coming to us politically, uh, whatever you might say, coming to us and giving us information, and it was a very powerful experience. Uh, I now want uh, exactly the same exact format we had before, but there's some positive things that's been going on, and we want to shed that, that light. There's a lot of negativity that's been going on in the media, and there's some positive things we need to uh, share or bring light on to, too. Uh, that, that's what this particular show is going to be about. But we have, there's a lot of things going out here in the world that we are going to shed light on. We're not going to shy away from our, uh, our main model and creed. Well, one of the, one of the uh, points that everybody should understand, uh, because uh, whether you're in uh, municipal government or state government, or, or national government, when uh, people are appointed to various uh, positions of, of government, uh, where do these people come from? What, what are their backgrounds? Uh, did they work for Wall Street? Were they uh, a hedge fund managers' career on the line to help the average uh, citizen? And Anybody can talk about what they believe or what they stand for. That's very easy to do. What counts is when there's risk involved. Where do you stand when there's risk involved? So there are lots of people who, in my experience, did not stand for police brutality or the institutional corruption that exist in some departments. But they would would not do anything because there was severe risk involved, uh, risk to their personal physical safety and risk to their finances and their career. And most of the people that I uh, dealt with and uh, counseled with were people who took those risks, who took the risk of their own personal safety and their own financial um, uh, health uh, to stand up for what they actually believe. And that's what counts. So when somebody in your municipal government, state government, national government is appointed to a position, you think to yourself, what has that person done to help the average citizen to empower the, the average uh, citizen. And if they have not, then that person is not working for you. Any comment, gentlemen? Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, Sam. I'm still active at the local. If everyone remembers, it has to be a national. 
at your local level. I, I actually went in front of my school board and made reference in my own town about corruption that was going on, a theft, a theft that went on at one of your local schools, and one of the board members' um, son was involved in that, and nobody really knew what was going on. They were trying to suppress it. This only happened a couple months ago, so I made reference to it, and that person was voted out. I'm happy for that, uh, for that. But that's what it means. You, you have to take take a stand. And I haven't changed so much. I'm going to take what, I'm going to take what you just said, Sam. In our fields of work that we retire from, uh, and, and I'm going to say Dr. Fields, too, where he retired from, which is education. Sam was a retired police officer. He's supposed to be defending, he did, defending the law, protecting and serving the community. I was a firefighter on life safety, property conservation, and incident stabilization. I was doing all of that to the best of my ability in the times we worked in. So uh, when the corruption comes about, we should not be I'm going to call it. I haven't changed. I'm the same as that person. These police officers who aren't saying anything, and, and people are hard when, I, when I'm hard like this, they're cowards because if you stood up collectively, you wouldn't have this problem. Uh, we stood up independently. Sam, you came to me when we were speaking on a, on, on a national syndicated radio show, a WBII in, in New York City, and you sought us out, so a lot of people were listening. Dr. Smith, you were listening to what was going on, and you went through similar experiences. And, and the point being, the guest that we have calling is very busy. He's, he's in the meeting right now. He's going to be calling from a meeting. His name is Ru- Chief Rufus Jackson. And so we understand who Chief Rufus Jackson is. It's not very hard to understand who he is either. He was on that show with me talking about the corruption and uh, the consent decree, which when he comes on, we'll talk about and Newark, how they fulfilled the consent decree, how other towns need to. We'll talk about those issues. But uh, that's the reason why it's very important to have Rufus on, because this is a solution to a lot of these problems going on, because he is going to do things the right He He got, that, got those promotions, and I know personally, by doing the right thing, doing it by studying, working hard, uh, hard work and dedication paid off, you know, without doing the corrupt side of it. Okay, I know him. Personally, that's why I could speak for him at this level right now. I just wanted to speak more about his vision of North. I get a little excited, and I'm still excited about what's going on and things I see. Uh, I will let Dr. Smith elaborate a little bit more for why I just left it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you there, Captain Selby. What happens is that I've seen in my line of work that people who are in power However they do it, whether they do it in a brash kind of way or whether they're benign about it or whether they're malevolent about it or whether they're um, suggestive about it, what they often do is they divide and conquer um, people uh, in their companies or institutions or organizations simply by way of their power alone. And the way in which some people do that is simply by doing just that being intimidating, trying to laud something over someone or uh, trying to uh, entrap people or trying to, on a daily basis or subconscious basis or whatever modality they use, trying to get people to feel uh, insecure or inferior to or less than. Um, I've seen people who simply um, would try to co-opt other people into um, joining their their covey of those who are corrupt so that if they could get something on an individual or a group of individuals, then that would um, maintain their um, ill-obtained Ill, Ill sense of power because now um, corruption breeds corruption in that sense, and so now they uh, have something on another person that they could use as leverage um, personal or political or otherwise against them. Um, and, and a lot of people are are followers and people who understand uh, certain aspects of leadership, whether it's a draconian, Machiavellian perspective, they know how to manipulate people to get them to do um, things they otherwise or ordinarily wouldn't do. So that's that's part of it as well. That's not all of it per se. That's just a tiny little uh, snippet or chunk of it or microcosm of what I've seen in my life experiences. Um, but 
on the one hand, because people are sheep-like or great followers, for those of us who are risk-takers or those of us who are of the of the proper work ethic, for those of us who endeavor to do things by the book legitimately, um, I've come to the realization that I cannot fault people who do not have the same amount of courage or, or fire in my belly to consistently do the right thing um, based on honesty, integrity, and merit. So we have to do what we can to educate and bring those other people along to um, engender that courage in there, in them so that they can be a part of the, the group of people in society who endeavor at all times to do the right thing. You know what the scary part is, Dr. Smith? I'm sorry, Stan. But the scary part is I'm listening to you talk, and we've always talked about police and fire. This is education we're talking about. I mean, you mm-hmm. have, a, you're, you have a doctorate in education. You, you are a, a, a retired principal. Uh, you're a school board president. You, I mean, just in the state of New Jersey, in a certain town, done these things. And if these people are acting like this, you're talking about how, how are children uh, being educated? Because you're talking about people stepping on each other's toes to get promoted within the ranks of educational system. Uh, uh, that's scary. I'm, I'm listening. I know what goes on, but it's very scary listening to that. And, and I see it myself. My my daughter's a, uh, my oldest daughter's a teacher now, and and I, I want her to follow a roadmap to success without these pitfalls in front of her. So, yeah, it's personal for me listening to it, but it's also pretty amazing uh, that this is still going on. And, and I'm glad that you're still around to teach people, to show people. And, and that's the reason why you're on. You have a lot, still have a lot more, both of you have a lot more patience than me. I still get this fire in me that if you're supposed and we're talking about people that are principals, vice principals, you're not talking about the low-end people. You, you've got with people on the other and the management on the management side of education. That's part that's kind of frightening. Well, well, gentlemen, while we're waiting for uh, our guest to call in, uh, uh, the fire chief of the North New Jersey Fire Department um, question, um, because some listeners may be wondering um, what type of corruption might exist in the, the fire department uh, because it's, it seems to have a different relationship with the public. Um, yes. Uh, you know, with the uh, that, that, department that has been um, national and international because of so many uh, unarmed um, black males that have been uh, killed uh, by the police department. So that's sort of out there, but what type of action would exist in the fire department? Uh, uh, That's such a loaded question, and it's a beautiful question to ask. In the state of New Jersey, the fire and police department are the same exact pension system. Our systems are are connected together, and with that, I'm going to try to explain some of the corruption. With that, uh, and I've seen this actually happen in the city of Patterson, where somebody would do a corrupt act in the police department, like selling drugs out of uh, Eastside Park in Patterson, getting caught on the news, and he happens to be related to uh, a senator, a congressman. Well, well, ha- well hang and, on, hang on a minute, just, uh, Andrew. Hang on, just to clarify, um, why not simply uh, just explain um, th- the type of corruptions that may exist? Maybe there's fire. Uh, personnel that are dealing drugs. Maybe there's fire personnel that are involved in um, stealing <laughs> property. That's the point I was making. The, the, the type of crime going on in, in the regular general population is going on within the fire department, uh, gambling, illegal gambling, prostitution, you name it. It's covered up. The point I was making is covered up by the police department because, in a sense, they're one and the same. The same people are in, 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 uh, or go back and forth. The same people run the boards. Uh, the pension systems the same. Uh, if you do something wrong in the police department, they speak you over to the fire department. 
uh, is covered in your, in your pension, and then you have an opportunity to to grow. You, 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 uh, I'll give you an example. During when I was uh, going against the Mayor Patterson uh, at that time, who was Joey Torres, by the way, who came back and is now going to jail for the stuff that I accused him of doing years ago, right now as we speak. So that's corruption right now going on. The Mayor Patterson, who was who was trying to terminate me and who, who actually contributed to the death of Michael Walker, who is the father of Victor Cruz, the ex-Giant football player, that individual right now is on his way to jail for the things I've talked about in my court case. Okay, but anyway, that, that gives you a level of corruption because it's never stopped. That's the reason why we're coming back because some of the solutions are starting to happen. Uh, promotions have taken place of people who have integrity. That's why the chief of North is called in. Uh, like I said, he's in the meeting, and he said he will be following us still as soon as he gets out. So that's going to be very good to hear from him. He's invited back any time. Uh, that's the type of corruption and cover-up that goes on. When I was on trial against the city, when I was suing them, the city of Patterson, a fireman was got in trouble at my same rank, rank of captain for DWI in Pennsylvania. That individual was allowed to go to jail in Pennsylvania, was re-released, which could be a fire captain in the city of Patterson. That was going on. When it got uncovered on the news, then they terminated whatever that program. I never heard of such a program, but that actually was going on. So the level of corruption uh, and crimes are just like in the general population. The problem with it is it's covered up. You don't really hear about it. Okay, well, what about um, the number of uh, minority uh, people that might be on the uh, fire department? Um, well, that's if you, you know what, I, I don't want to talk about North in per se, because I'm going to talk about North in a, in a positive way. Uh, well, well instead of talking about talking? North, Talk about another city. Talk about Atlanta. No, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, the, the chief of North um, coming on. No, no, no. The chief of North. No, no. The chief of North coming on, and I'm. I am going to talk about it right now. But I mean, that's going to be actually be the positive sign, because North. Uh, we're, it's a consent decree. The consent decree is an order came out in 1980 that the federal government sued 12 cities in New Jersey and said that they were, and they agreed they were illegally not having minorities come on the jobs, in particular black and Hispanic. So they made a mandate. They agreed that they were going to hire, in the city of Patterson, 50% minorities from 1980. I came on in the early 80s. I believe I came on in 84, 85, or don't quote me, somewhere around there. And when I came on, they were supposed to be hiring 50%. I came on with 26 individuals. I was the only black that was hired. That's not 50%. Okay. Uh, nor, in the same time period, has fulfilling their, I will talk about North in a positive way, North has fulfilled their obligation. I actually was at the last uh, promotional, I'm sorry, graduation class of new firefighters about three months ago, which was uh, headed by Chief Jackson. And actually that was the largest group of individuals ever put on the fire department all at one time. And that was probably the best representation of what the town looked like as far as minority base. When we go back when I was hired, uh, that wasn't happening throughout the cities, And it still wasn't continuing to happen. I'll give you an idea. I was the second black captain in Patterson. In my opinion, I should have been about the 200th black captain at that point in time. But that's the process that still it has affected a lot of cities. Uh, it's still affecting us, and nobody wants to talk about that because what happens when you illegally put people who don't supposed to have these jobs, because these are community-based jobs. You'll be a resident to, live, to have these jobs. In the city of Patterson, I know for a fact that they cheated, they lied, uh, they get people on who don't live in a community, and, those pe and most of those people who don't live in a community happen to not be black or Hispanic because the town is primarily made up like that, and uh, that was going on in the city. Not until... We brought light to it. I did in particular, brought light to what was going on, did that process start changing. But I was attacked and viciously attacked, and a friend of mine uh, lost his life in that process. And I'll say his name again, Mike Walker, the father of uh, retired 
Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz. Uh, and nobody wants to talk about that, but that's what went on. Again, the mayor of Patterson is going to that. That's what we're talking about solutions. The long battle, he is going to jail. He's going to jail for bringing work. Something I had talked about him. I had talked about this. Uh, him and his, he was bringing workers. This is current. While they were on duty, uh, he would bring people to say he found somebody who's a carpenter who happened to work for the city. Oh, you're a carpenter or you're an electrician, he'd bring them to work at his house, bring them to work at his brother's place of business, and he would have them perform all kind of work. And then he would pay them time and a half on the city while they're supposed to be working for the city, but he's actually working for them. But that's uh, he was doing that forever. He came back and asked me he got caught doing this again. I'm just putting everything real short. Uh, uh, yes. Well, let me interrupt you for a moment sorry, just to let uh, everyone know that they are listening to the Justice for All show. Uh, my name is Sam Clark, along with um, retired fire captain Andrew Selby and with the public uh, educator and administrator, Dr. Albert Smith. Uh, what we'd like to do just briefly, we are waiting for our uh, our guest, um, Chief Rufus Jackson of the North New Jersey Fire Department, to uh, call in. Um, I understand that he is uh, at a meeting, um, so he still may be tired for a while. But like, what we'd like to do uh, at the halfway point here uh, is to give a commercial. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, it's not a commercial where we're getting any pay for, for mentioning it, but it's something of good information to, to you. And um, I personally support the open source community of uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen who make up uh, computer software programs. So um, there are many types of... Um, programs out there that are very good that cost hundreds of dollars. Well, the open source community makes programs that function the same way, but they're basically at no cost or very, very low cost. So one of those operating systems is Linux, uh, which is basically a free operating system. And you can get this operating system and much of the uh, functioning software for a, a very, very low price. And it's not just for tech uh, geeks, but it's just for ordinary people. Do some research on the Linux operating machine, uh, system, and you can uh, check that uh, out uh, for yourself. Um, so we're still waiting for uh, Chief uh, Rufus Jackson to call in. And uh, this is a, is a discussion about the fire department. Uh, but let me get uh, a point of view from you, uh, Dr. Albert uh, Smith, um, who is a, an educator and administrator. Um, your take on what you heard thus far about the fire department and some of the um, avenues of corruption. Yes, what I'd like to say um, from the outset is that um, don't want to I don't want to cast or paint a broad brush, brush and say that all public schools in every instance are um, corrupt. There are a lot of public schools that do a fine job, but it's the few bad apples that prompt other people to, to have a misconception about politics in public schools or the corruption in, poly, in public schools or all those things that are wrong with public schools. And the reason why a lot of the general public can very quickly come to that uh, determination or that assessment of public schools because public schools in the main has been um, a lot of what most of the people in the public have gone to. They've been to public schools from pre-K to grade 12. So their life experiences, for the most part, has been a direct relationship with their experiences in public schools. So they know what it's like uh, to go through that gauntlet, again, from pre-K through 12th grade, and, of course, for those who seek higher education. 
Um, but I'm talking about the corruption in public school that is, as it pertains to me and my life experiences having to deal with um, the upper-level administration personally. Uh, I've seen um, people who were in positions of authority, whether they were board members or whether they were principals or whether they were superintendents or whether they were head custodians, they were in positions of power and authority that was uncontested by anybody because they were the boss and they didn't have anybody over their shoulder to watch um, how they did their everyday business. And some of what they did, they were able to get away with, whether it was uh, an egregious use of power, whether it was um, inappropriate personnel uh, selections, whether it was uh, hiring people who under no circumstance should have been hired and who were subsequently terminated because of their actions on the job, uh, whether it was denying people tenure who should have earned a tenure, whether it was trying to um, stop people from getting their salary increment year to year. Um, so I've, I've experienced this myself personally, and I've witnessed other people experiencing it. So in order for me to take the risk and fight some of those injustices that I and other people that I know have uh, experienced, the only way that I could do that and make some sort of tangible result was to, first of all, go to school and earn uh, what they call an administrative degree in school administration and supervision. Subsequent to that, I would further my education by earning uh, a doctorate degree in school administration and supervision, and then hopefully go out there into the world of work, present my credentials to prospective employers so that they could see and say, based on my experience, my work experience, and based on what I could bring to the table of that school community to be uh, one of the persons who would be graced enough to be employed uh, in that school community. And as uh, fate would have it, um, I was, after a period of time, fortunate enough to be employed as uh, a person who is now um, in an administrative position. So after I was fortunate enough to be employed as an administrator, which would be, in my instance, a vice principal, I um, incorporated in my leadership style on the modality of being humanistic without being authoritative. This way I was able to um, see people um, for their utility to the school industry as opposed to um, judging them or supervising them or grading them on their uh, connections to other outside entities which were dubious at best. And once I um, inculcated to the people who were working with me in my department, they could see that there was a genuine reciprocal kind of relationship that I had with them in the sense of me trying to grow as an administrator and me trying to help them as an underling or a teacher uh, in whatever the academic discipline was. But irrespective of my going to school and earning my master's degree in school administration and supervision, irrespective of the fact that I continue my education to after 10 years uh, of working toward a doctorate degree, earning that educational doctorate degree in school administration and supervision, I always put God first. And God was able to provide me with the clarity and with the presence of mind to have the courage to deal with those professors who did everything they could, not all of them, but who did everything they could to flunk me out of school. So the corruption, in my view, starts uh, from um, a host of different origins, not just you know what we see as an end product of when we've arrived and now we're a teacher or an educator or an administrator or a board member or whatever. It's an ongoing um and such a thing as far as I can see um, how this corruption you know, breeds on itself. So well, again, as we've articulated, 
we need to have the the fire in our belly to take the risk to stand up against all of that. Well, unfortunately, most most of the time, uh, a person's uh, qualification and experience is not the um, prerequisite for some of these uh, positions, um, which is uh, why we have a uh, um, someone in the cabinet for uh, education that is definitely not qualified to, to run the uh, Department of Education for, for the United States. That's certainly my opinion. I think um, we can agree on that. I'm in, I'm in yeah, full agreement I, with that. that uh, yeah. I, con- I concur. And can I say so, one thing, Dr. Smith, that we never talked about, yeah. Sam? I want to say yeah. this. Dr. Smith, you struck a nerve because you said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to have to agree with you. I also, I mean, I used to be so bad for us cursing. I'm never, not, not perfect. My thing was cursing, 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 cursing. And I had a reconciliation with God myself, bringing my family closer. And that, yes, when you go down this road, yeah, it can and may affect your pocket. Okay, uh, you can... If you do other things, you can do things. We could talk about that later, how you can subvert some of that. However, uh, it hurt my pocket, but me being closer with God and my family, you, I couldn't – That the money was not missing now. I couldn't pay for the time for my family and close to God. I just wanted to bring that up because that was very important in, in, in the revelation that I started going through. Me personally, and you just made that, that just kept the core of me, and I just want to express that. I'm sorry. Well, we're on the home stretch of the show right now, and um, uh, our guest uh, this evening um, is supposed to be uh, Chief Rufus Jackson, the chief of the North New Jersey Fire Department. Um, He has not called in. Uh, It is our understanding that he uh, is stuck at a meeting. Um, after all, he has to uh, run the fire department there. Uh, he, he, he is the chief of the fire department, and that, and that was one of the uh, problems we, which might have occurred. He did, uh, as, of, as of today, and as yesterday, uh, confirm that he was coming on. But uh, maybe an hour or so before showtime, he did text me to let me know he was in the meeting that he was not in control of. So we're waiting for that to happen. Everyone has to understand listening. Uh, we will invite him back even because within I told him he has between six and seven. We called in. We still, so we want to get a vision of the future he has for North and some of these things that I'm talking about, I would love him to talk about because he's a chief. I'm a retired fire captain. He's a chief and and then he could bring us up to speed currently what's going on with some of these issues and topics that, that, that I had brought up. Uh, Newark is separate from Patterson, and I'm going to say with Dr. Smith that the things that I experience are personal to me. They happen to me. They might not happen to every throughout New Jersey. However, I was privileged to know a whole lot of firemen, black firemen in particular, and, and white, but mainly black firemen who have a position of rank throughout the whole entire state. And a lot of things I'm describing are very similar in our major cities, in the state of New Jersey. Uh, a lot of things need to be cleaned up. Sam and I personally have went to uh, the Attorney General's office in, in New Jersey trying to get audience. I personally had, a few years ago, Obama's Justice Department come and talk to me and my lawyer at my lawyer's office about a lot of issues going on with the fire service which I don't know if I could talk about right now. I have to talk to my lawyer about that. But I can say that they came here. I think the person's name, and they came and spoke to us for many hours about what was going on. And this was after. This is a, after we shut down the Justice for All show, and and until now. So, and in this time period, like I say, uh, Jerry Torres is now on his way to jail, which I'm happy. And I'm, I'm going to have to report, too. Uh, a lot of people say uh, politicians go to jail. But a lot of politicians go to jail and can still run for public office. In this case, uh, he made a plea agreement that once he can no longer hold office, and that's more key to anything else. He can't even be dog catcher in the town anywhere. 
in, in, in the entire country. So that is more key because you, you can't put these criminals in jail because their criminals are higher order. They are actually making laws. They're actually enforcing laws. They're controlling police departments. And if they're criminal, uh, we have to hold them more, uh, to a higher accountability. Uh, and that's my personal opinion. If you put somebody in jail for something real small, uh, if you're supposed to be the person in charge of, then the crime uh, should be more severe. The penalty for the crime should be more severe. That's just my per personal opinion. You're getting paid more to do more, so the accountability should be higher for you. That's just the logical progression. And then you would have less corruption. But it seems to go the opposite direction. That's just my opinion. Yeah. That's where we're at right now. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, in, a few, in, a, in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so that we, we do have left, um, I, I want to uh, focus more on uh, Newark and the um, uh, Newark Fire Department. Um, I'm originally from Newark. I was born in Newark. Uh, but some of the things that the, the listeners uh, may want to hold on to is... Um, the chief comes on at a later date on another program. Um, what is the demographics of Newark at this particular time? What is the uh, uh, population? Uh, what are the number of um, firefighters that are uh, uh, on a fire department? Um, out of that number, how many are actually active and available? Or um, what is the budget of the fire department? What is the, the base salary of the entry-level uh, firefighter? Um, what uh, benefits does that uh, particular comes uh, come with that particular uh, position of employment? Um, what is what is its makeup? Um, uh, as far as ethnicity uh, goes, um, must she be a resident of Sydney to be on the fire department? And if so, for how long? These are all important questions because it has to do with the economic well-being of the, the city of Newark or almost any, uh, you know, municipality. Uh, if the people who work there and earn their living from the taxpayers, from that tax base, if they live in that particular uh, city and with their families and spend their money in that particular uh, city, uh, that's a good economic stimulus. Uh, many times that's not the case for a number of reasons, uh, but um, I just want uh, the listeners to be um, kind of informed and prepared that these are the type of questions that you would need to uh, present to uh, an official, uh, whether it's the mayor uh, or, in this case, we're talking about the, uh, the fire department, um, whether it's the uh, county executive, the governor, your, your representative, et cetera, because these are the things that really matter. Yeah, I just want to say there's a lot of career opportunities in the fire department. I had, I had all in all, still good experience. I've met a lot of people there, and I want everyone to know that uh, in the state of New Jersey, I'm going to give a, a public service announcement right now. You can go to uh, NJDOP, that is New Jersey Department of Personnel org, and it gives you um, all the different criteria and um, job opportunities for police and fire throughout the state of New Jersey. I just want to give, uh, I just want to give that public service announcement. Because it, it, police and fire, you, you don't need a college degree. You just need a high school diploma. You need to be a resident of the community you're supposed to be serving in, in certain cases. And uh, you have to have a clean, a, a clean um, criminal background. Driver's license, clean back, criminal background, that's the basis. And uh, I just want to give that public service announcement. And these job opportunities are available to all residents, and that's what uh, the consent decree in the fight was about, uh, and that's what we want to talk to uh, Chief Jackson about, what's going on in the city of North and, and, and in, in comparison to the rest of the state. 
I, I want to also say mm-hmm. that it was um, that the uh, a police or fire career uh, is worth about three million dollars, and uh, uh, when we talk about that career. Uh, going over the uh, 25 years now, I think they pushed it up 30 years uh, to retirement, yes. and the and the pension that's involved. So we're talking about the uh, um, three million dollars. Uh, that's an estimate. And I'm push that number higher. I'm gonna let you keep talking, but push that number higher because I used to be an underwriter before I was a, a fireman, and that number is definitely higher because you have to put in account this health. That, the, the health care that we have. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Correct. But we'll, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that at three million because I think the, the numbers will speak for itself. Okay. So if there's a hundred uh, there's a hundred position that uh, citizens of that city uh, are are not able to obtain. That's three hundred million dollars that mm-hmm. is not in the hands. Those cities. Uh, so we're we're talking about a lot of money uh, that could help families and the entire community out. Uh, so um, and, and, and actually be repropriated back into the community. Say it again. Uh, and actually can be re repropriated back into the community. It it, it will have a yeah. higher chance of staying in the community and making the community much better because the people don't leave. The same people are there, they don't leave. They stay there most of the time, and it would make the community better. And when you have outside sources coming in and don't have a connection to the community, which we see, it's almost like by design. I would have to say by design, and it breaks down the fabric of the entire community. Sorry. And this would also go on into the, the teaching careers. You know, now, Absolutely. now some people. Some people would say, well, you know, I got a right to live in where I want to live. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, but I can tell you that I believe, not only what, what I believed in, it's what I did. Throughout my career, I was a resident of the city of Newark, except for maybe a total of a year. You know, so th- throughout that time, I was a resident there. I was a member of the police department, but I was a North resident. My money was spent mainly in North, and that's where my family, most of my family lived, and uh, that's where I lived. So, um, again, uh, I, I could have lived many different places, but this is something that I personally believe in. That if I'm going to take Norks uh, payers' tax money, I'm going to service them, and I'm going to be paid. Then good enough for me. It's good enough for me to find a residence somewhere in that city. And again, that's what I believed in, and that's what I practiced. But you know, other people say, "Well, you know, I I believe in this, and I believe in that. I can live there, and, and fine." And, and sometimes legally. You you have that legal right to do that, but for me, it wasn't a matter of a legal right. It's about a moral obligation that I believe in. Hey, what about the legal right at the outset that you're supposed to live in the town and that's subverted? And, and that's well, what yeah. I want to talk to Chief Jackson about because you're right about the legal aspect afterwards, but the prior to those legal aspects that's not fulfilled. And so what do you do with those individuals? You know, because, like you just said, that for every single one of individuals that you didn't hire from that community and you hire somebody without, that's a, a family hurt. That's not just one individual. That's an entire family that's, that's got hurt. Families, yeah, the, we should the say. Numbers, the, num- the numbers are staggering. And when, you know, when we, when we talk about, the you know, Darren Nance from the police department and the cost of his lawsuit and everything uh, that that happened in that case, uh, and when I give you those, those numbers, those numbers are, are, are staggering. And yeah. this is money that uh, taxpayers are footing are footing out. And 
they're not those citizens are not being protected by their mayor or by their city council. That's what I spoke about earlier about the you know when Dr. Smith was uh, talking about qualification and yeah. experience, which yeah. I agree totally. But many times that is not the prerequisite for hand, for for picking someone, and 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 many times I always cite. Uh, uh, Richard Rivera from West New York, the police officer yeah. from New York, who his activity exposed massive corruption in that department that took down the chief and thirty others. So you would you would think his his phone would be ringing off the hook that someone would want him to run their the police department Absolutely. because he's he proves <laughs> that he can find corruption and, and and help get rid of it. But no one has called him because they don't want to stop corruption. Corruption the funny is, part is like, in his case the American is the only people the only people want to cover him sorry Sam. Some people want to cover him and seem like uh, Hollywood. You know, that was the funny part during that time period. You get all these phone calls from uh uh, you should be getting phone calls from police departments, not from uh, uh, movie executives, to, to to help them do films. You know that that was that was kind of sick, if you, if you ask me. And I don't believe Richie got when he, when he was on the show. I don't believe he got one call from one department. Forget his own. Anywhere, that guy should have been well, one of the most qualified people to run any police department. And, and just from him talking with you and him interacting with his uh, skill set of knowledge, are you kidding me? That was uh, amazing that nobody picked. It's not amazing. So you have to wonder, what are people looking for in a police chief? Well, they're not looking for an honest person because honesty is just a a propaganda word uh, in many situations. Um, uh, Certainly from, you know, my experience and with dealing um, with many different police departments, throughout the country. Um, honesty is not something that they're looking for. They're looking for someone to play ball that's going to go along mm. with the pro. that's going to go along with covering up corruption, with uh, mm. maintaining uh, systemic corruption and uh, discrimination. So that's the last thing they want is someone honest that is going to uh, stick to their conviction and say, you know, no, no, I'm not going to do that because it's illegal, or I'm not going to sign off on that. So they don't, they generally don't want honesty. And if if anybody does the research, they would find what I'm saying uh, to be absolutely true. Dr. Smith, from an educational standpoint, and, you, you know, we how do you view what we're saying? Like we hear you from, I I just spoke on that. Uh, What's some of the, from just hearing this and listening, what do you think some of the, some of the solutions to what we're talking about could be? Well, first of all, everybody again is not painting with the same brush, but once corruption and once illegal activity is perceived to be and accepted as the norm, then that perceived corruption and that real corruption will uh, continue. Mathematically, exponentially, it will continue and multiply on itself, and you will find fewer and fewer people who will uh, resist the corruption because they think that corruption, uh, however benign, however extreme, is the new normal. And therein is sanctioned and accepted by those who are in power and who want to perpetuate that corruption. It's it's um it's it's a sad it's a sad commentary, but it's a it's a reality of life that people generally, um, passively or otherwise, accept. Because if it wasn't acceptable, it would be called out. It would be wiped out. We wouldn't be talking about this. We'd be talking about how we can further experience um, the success for ourselves and other people that we care about because corruption is no longer a variable in, the, in our realities. But that's not the case. 
And so when we have the corruption, people continually suffer because of the accepted corruption. Well, to expand on that point, uh, Dr. Smith, uh, I certainly don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm going to beat up on the, the little guy. I've always mm-hmm. said that it's high-ranking officials that are responsible for maintaining a uh, system of corruption and discrimination. And right. those are the that uh, need to be held accountable. I am particularly, um, I particularly take the task elected officials. Their responsibility right. is to uh, look out for the interests of their constituents, not for what happens so often is that politician or that high-ranking uh, public right. official is doing things that continue to perpetuate that systemic racism and systemic corruption. And that's that's why you have it. The little guy is not in position, certainly not on an individual basis, in position to to really um, give a effective challenge to, to that system of corruption. Uh, I've certainly tried, and um, repeatedly what I found out is that I could help an individual that's a victim of that system, but there's no way the I could dismantle that system. No. Yeah, the system still goes on. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Then here comes the next victim, and then the next victim to try to protect itself. So it's yeah. not the little guy. It's the guy at the top. Mm-hmm. Kind of scary. In the middle of my and when I was going through it, it's very uh, when you're going through it, it's, it's disheartening. It's a lot because you're, you're, you believe in truth, justice in the American way, and other people don't. And it was funny because now I can look back in hindsight. Uh, Sam actually was like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. He's not talking out of being cocky. He's talking out of what he's talking right now. The spirit how he's trying to work. How it work and it play out almost exactly how he said. As long as I had to stay within a certain protocol, even going through a lawsuit. It was strange because Stan had had enough knowledge to know that people. I'm gonna let people understand this. You don't get to go to court and just file and get to go to court. So long procedures and steps to, to stop you from getting there. So if you're sitting there and you went against a, a government entity, I would need my personal opinion. Ninety-nine percent of the time, those people are correct because you have to jump through a hurdle in order to be in that position, and, and both of you guys do understand it. Uh, I just want to uh, invite Rufus, Chief Rufus Jackson back to another time, saying we're getting close on short on time, and he said he was in the meeting, and he is, is the chief of the largest uh, city in the state of New Jersey, and I want to just to invite him back. I will be texting him and calling him later on this evening. He said he was busy, and I do, do respect and honor him. In, in his role, he is the youngest chief of Newark, and, he's, and, and this is his anniversary of one year as of today. Or not today, as of this month. Okay. We're going to have to leave it at, at that. This is, this is the Justice for All show with uh, uh, Andrew Selby, uh, Dr. Albert Smith, and Stan Clark. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, our guest, uh, Chief Rufus Jackson of the North Jersey Fire Department was unable to call in, but um, uh, we intend to have him back another time. So, gentlemen, we're going to close out with the...
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.